Welcome back, Padawans, to episode 35 of the JMR Podcast. I'm your host, Jelani, a.k.a. Jedi Master Ren, and it is here where I discuss all things in my gaming life and the industry at large as I take you on a trip to a galaxy far, far away. Tonight, we'll be traveling to the first home base of the Rebel Alliance on Yavin 4. Now, I've been catching up on Star Wars Rebels, so I felt it time for us to go back and see where it all started. On our journey, though, I'll be locking in my votes for the Game Awards live for you guys on air. Some Falcon sweeping for you. If you like me talking to myself about games each and every week, use the force and rate the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to help it reach more Padawans. You can follow the show on Twitter at the JMR Podcast to get updates on schedule changes like I should have done last week for Thanksgiving or when a new episode has been posted. There are also links for you to send in hologram audio messages to be featured on the show as well. Now, longtime listeners know this, I am a Zox ambassador, which means I want to spread the love of this brand to all of you. And if I can do that anyway, I think the best way is getting you guys 10% off your first order. So if you use my code Jelani40328, that is J-E-L-A-N-I 40328 at Zox.LA, you can get 10% off your first order. Now, full disclosure, this is an affiliate uh, program that I signed up for myself because I love this brand. So when you use my code, you're not just helping out the boys over there at Zox, you know, to put that money to charities or whatever they do, but you're also helping this little podcast be one with the force and grow too. Now, I do want to let you guys know, I just did a, or just got a Zox haul. I've actually got another order coming in because of, uh, you know, Christmas is coming up. I've got some secret Santa stuff at uh, at work that I have bought people some, um, some Zox for. Some of my management staff I've bought some Zox for as well because... Again, I want to spread this love of the love that I have for this brand to the people that I care about that are in my life. Obviously, I work with these people uh, five to six days out of the week, you know, 40, out, 40 to 45, sometimes 50 hours in the week, you know. So it we're, we spend a lot of time with each other. So I want, you know, if I can, it's Christmas time. I love this holiday. So if I can spread some cheer, I want to. And these have amazing messages on them so I've gotten one for each of the people that I feel like is something that will speak to them and I hope that they're really going to like them but that's not the bigger kick the first um order that I just got in Zox now has Apple Watch straps guys I did not know this I was randomly on there on the um the Zox app and I see an Apple Watch strap on there and bro let me tell you this anytime that Zox comes out with something new, like some product that they don't usually do. I got to get me on. I got to get on that. You know what I'm saying? I have to get on that. I've got to see the quality. Is it there? Is this going to stand the test of time like their straps did? And honestly, I think this I think they've hit uh lightning in a bottle with this Apple Watch strap because all they've done is take their thick, you know, their standard Zox strap, which I guys I told you um the size of it like last week I believe of how how thick it is. They take that regular Zox strap and they just add two clasps on it and then obviously it's not a full-on bracelet you know you have to connect it to the watch so they have to you know they had to cut a strap and then do some um some stitching to make it really fit and um operate effectively and it actually really does and I was very surprised with the quality of this strap and honestly if you know whenever I I'm probably going to get another one and these are I don't I don't know if, but these might be one of like my go-to straps for my Apple Watch now. I really don't know, but I love this thing. And obviously I love Zox, so obviously I'm going to love the Apple Watch strap because I love my Apple Watch. But it, it just is, it's like synergy. They, they just came together and now it's perfect. But let's jump to hyperspace, guys.
Alright, so now that we are safely in light speed, what we do every week, guys, let's start this off with my Jedi trainings, alright? So, obviously, I have been playing more God of War. Um, I don't, again, I do not want to get into spoilers. We're not even going to really stay on God of War right now, because I only played a, a little bit farther. Well, no, I won't say that, because I definitely, we, we haven't talked in two weeks. Also... Uh, happy belated Thanksgiving, everyone who's listening. I, uh, apologize that I did not come out last week with an episode. I was planning on it, but, um, work got a little crazy. I work at a barbecue restaurant, and, um, Thanksgiving Eve is our busiest day of the year. We are facilitating Thanksgiving dinner for hundreds of families, uh, across the DFW area, so... It is a very, very busy day for um, for my job um, around this season. So I was at work all day Thanksgiving Eve, which is the Wednesday that I usually record. And I was like, yeah, I can't. I'm not doing that. And then we've got to get ready for Christmas, Christmas, Thanksgiving the next day. So it, there was just no time at all to kind of get this stuff going. And uh, unfortunately, you know, I, I, I like to spend time with my family. Not unfortunately. I didn't mean that. I'm saying I like to spend time with my family. That comes before anything. So unfortunately, the podcast got put off to the side. That's where I was going with that. <laughs> anyway, um, so did touch on God of War. Um, so I will got to just guide you through the realms that I am that I have traveled to. So um, I was in Anaheim when we last discussed, and, um, from there, I went through the entire region of Anaheim, so I did all of the side quests that I needed to in there before moving over to the next, um, the next stage. Right now, I am in Asgard. I am in Asgard, so I, I don't think that's a spoiler that you're gonna be able to go to Asgard. I think it was pretty known that we were gonna be going to all nine realms in this game, so that's kind of where I want to leave the conversation of... That's where I'm at right now. So if you're playing the game, you know where I'm at. If you're not playing the game, you don't know where I'm at. You don't even know how far along I am, which is fine. That's exactly how I want it to be. But um, let's move over to the next game that I tried out. So this kind of goes into the Black Friday sales that I was getting into. So as we discussed last week, the different avenues that I have found to uh, find games, predominantly on the Steam Deck right now, um, and how I can find the best deal possible. And those are the three different sites. I've got SteamOS, obviously, but then there is Humble Bundle, and then there is uh, Fanatical. Those are both online websites. So going back and forth between all three of those over um, Black Friday was a, a task in and of itself because... Again, all of them have their own specific deals. Now, most of the, you know, there are going to be games that you find that definitely are, they're, they're just matching the sale that's on the Steam store, and that's fine. But then you have some that are being undercut. Fanatical, I feel, are trying to undercut Steam the most, you know, because oftentimes I see a game that's on sale on Steam for like 20 bucks, and then I go to Fanatical, and that same game is on sale for like $16, and they're just like, you know, you could get it on Steam. You could say $4 and get it on Fanatical. Just saying. So that's kind of where they're, they they kind of sit at. And I fell into that with Gotham Knights. So obviously, I think everybody can attest to uh, or has seen how uh, poorly Gotham Knights is running on consoles right now. As soon as I heard that this game was not going to be um, or was only going to have 30 frames per second on console on the PS5 and Series X, I was like, Okay, well, then I can wait. I don't need to be playing this game at 30 frames. Like, that's ridiculous. And, and again, <clears throat> first word problems, and I'm sorry, I've got, I've, I am under the weather a little bit, so I might be clearing my throat a lot because I've got a lot of, I got a lot of congestion right now, but I'm trying to power through this, so I apologize. But anyway, my point is, they 
I'm for me personally, yeah, it's first world problems. But I do not. If I'm buying a game on the PS5 or my Series X, I want it to be at 60 frames per second. I don't. And again, yeah, I, the quality is there. There's ray tracing involved in it. I get that. I am okay with not having that stuff to get 60 frames, a smooth 60 frames per second. They're saying that there's not a real way to do it because of the co-op. Fine. I don't really need to play this game on console then because I don't care to play it like that. But even on console, it's not. it wasn't locking at 30. You know, it was still having trouble keeping it at that a stable 30 frames per second. And that's kind of where my head was at with, well, maybe I should try this on the Steam Deck. You know, so this was around the time that Sonic uh, Frontiers came out as well. So I was looking at Sonic and Gotham Knights. Obviously, Gotham Knights came out beforehand, but um, they came out within like two weeks of each other, eh, three weeks. And I, uh, I just wanted to figure out which one was going to run properly. And uh, honestly, because those are the two games I was looking at to run on the Switch or on the Switch on the Steam Deck. Sonic, I was actually looking at to run on the Switch, but seeing how, like, the graphical fidelity of it, you know, when they were showing it off uh, on the run-up to launch, I realized the Switch is not going to be able to run this game the way it needs to be ran. So we're not going to be doing that. Obviously now, Steam Deck has fallen into my lap. It's come into my life. So I can now transition back to playing this game on handheld because I feel like it was going to be good on handheld. And I have to say it does run quite well on handheld. But that was one where I was like, you know, got or Gotham. Um, Sonic runs or looks like it runs better at least on Steam Deck, than Gotham Knights does. So we're going to go with uh, Sonic first. And I ex enjoyed my experience, and I have been enjoying my experience with Sonic. But Gotham Knights was one where I was like, you know what? I still think we need to put this on the back burner. Because I was still seeing frame drops on, on uh, the Steam Deck. Better frame drops than what you're seeing on the consoles. But still, you know, they're there, and they're egregious. So... Long story short, you know, my experience with it was, I mean, it was all over the place. I couldn't get a locked 30. Um, in, you know, it was getting close at points. There there were times where I was able to get a good run and, like, feel like, okay, it's not, it's not choppy. Like, yeah, it's like I can feel the frames dip a little bit, but they're not, like, bad. It's not game-breaking, you know? Like, I can still see what I'm doing and be able to make those uh, split-second decisions when I need to. The combat in this game is definitely not like any of the other Batman games. And I think that's what, you know, getting into it um, initially was the issue I was uh, mostly having. Not even the, the performance, but that of trying to understand the combat system that they have in place right now with this. It's similar in the sense of, like, you can jump to different um, people, right? You can jump to different um, enemies and and start going and, and fighting them like you can in Batman. But the difference is you don't have, um, you can't see when they're about to hit you over your head like you can in Batman. He gets the little senses, kind of like Spider-Sense. You don't get that in this. You get a notification, and you, you, you can see when the hit is about to make contact, but you see it on the enemy's weapon. So you only see, so let's say, you know, you have the camera turned, and an enemy is coming from behind, and they just come out of nowhere, and then you just immediately, all you see is a bat with a little white circle around it, and you're about to get hit, but you didn't even see that, that enemy walk up on you. And it's stuff like that that kind of makes it a little more difficult, especially if you're coming off of an Arkham game, that does make it harder to understand the combat, because it's different, and you are expecting when you go into this game, not even talking about the story, not talking about the progression system or what you're doing in the game, but just the combat system alone, for that to be so drastically changed, I understand why people are having, um, you know, 
issues with this game and why they're not liking this game. But that's also because you have expectations wrongly placed. You thought that this was going to be a successor to Arkham Knights or the Arkham games or a continuation of those or in the same universe of those. Even though all the developers have said up and down since they announced this that this is not anything like the Arkham games. Yes, it is in the Batman universe, but it is their own Batman universe. It's not going to be an Arkham game. So, yes, it did take me some time to get the fighting mechanics down. However, I did enjoy the fighting mechanics once I did get them down. It is it is quite fun to, you know, kind of just run around and do whatever you need to. It honestly feels like you are more in control of your character as opposed to the Arkham games. Because, you know, in the Arkham games, when you're controlling Batman, you hit Y to um, to evade or to do a counterattack, and he just, he'll fly, uh, like, halfway across the room to get this dude. I'm like, Batman... Like, I, trust me, look, gameplay is fun. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But let's be honest. Are you really moving like that in that big of a suit like that, dude? You know? Like, they, gliding is one thing. You're you're just jumping all the way to the other side of the room, bro? I don't think so. I don't think so. So, I, there is a little bit of, like, oh, that doesn't feel real. You know? Like, I, I've, I, I've never seen Batman move... To that extent, the closest I've seen Batman move like that, I think there was a scene in The Batman, the most recent Batman that they did. But the one that first comes to mind, where because it was the first time I'd ever seen Batman look similar to how he does in the Arkham games, and that was Batman versus Superman. Batman versus Superman, at the end of the movie, when um, after, you know, Superman and Batman are able to talk through their their issues or whatever the heck um and then they start fighting on the same side batman goes into a warehouse and there's just a bunch of goons in and you just see a side shot uh, yeah a side shot of him take out the entire room of dudes and i think it was at least 10 guys 10 little grunts that were in there and he takes them all out without getting touched once and i'm telling you that right there was the epitome of Arkham combat. That's what it felt like when I saw that. I was like, bro, they took this straight from Arkham. I'm not saying movesets. I'm just saying how the altercation and how the fight progressed. It is exactly how Batman would, would operate inside the game. So I like that. But this is different. But I still like this as well. But again, performance-wise, not the best. Really, really bad on performance. And... You know, like I said, it was good right then in these little parts where you're you are having to fight your enemies. But as soon as you start to explore the open world, it starts to go down. You're getting like average 25 frames per second, and that's just walking around in the open world. When you are using your grapple hook, well, now you're in anywhere between 20 to 23, or I say 20 to 24. That's where you're. That's kind of where it's fluctuating in. Then when you get in the car. The car doesn't exceed 22 frames per second. I have dropped down to 10 and 12 frames per second riding the bike, riding the bat cycle. And that actually happened not last night, but the night before. And that was the part where that made me realize, okay, you know what? I think I just need to stop with Gotham Knights on the deck. I think that's, I think, I think I'm done. I think I've, I've tried this out. And the thing is, it's irritating because the game is, I like the game. The game is good. I want to be able to experience this story because I'm already invested. First of all, look, they've been saying it, so it's not a spoiler, but I'm going to tell you straight up, uh, Batman is for real dead. Like, he's dead dead. Like, it's not a game. It's not a joke. And they've been saying it's not a game. It's not a joke. He's dead dead. 
So just in case anybody, you know, is confused or was thinking, ah, he's going to come back. At least from the opening credit and the, the battle that ensued, my man's dead. So I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, dang, like they, they went in. They legit killed Batman. Wow. Okay, cool. All right. That, that's, that's cool. That's cool. So I felt like, you know, it's time to just end this. It's time to end this thing. I don't think that I, even with the story being as good as it is, I don't think I can get past the performance wise, you know, it dropping down to teens, lower than teens, bro. I can't, that's, that's ridiculous, you know? And again, I don't know if it does the same on console. I would hope that it doesn't. The other thing that I've got to, you know, I got to take into consideration is that Gotham Knights is a next gen exclusive game. The Steam Deck is basically a eighth generation handheld device. For all intents and purposes. Yes, it can run games. I could run Ghostwire Tokyo on that game. I have run... Um, De well, Death Stranding is a 8th gen, gen game. But you get my point. Well, not necessarily. Because I'm running the Director's Cut. And the same thing with Spider-Man Remastered. That is the PS5 version of it. The ninth generation version of the game. That is still running pretty good on the Steam Deck. But you're obviously not getting the the fidelity that you would get on those consoles. That That's obviously... That's, you know, redundant. But... Um, I, I just felt like, you know what, there's other games that I could utilize the space that Gotham Knights is taking on my Steam Deck. I could utilize that space for and probably get better performance and have a more enjoyable time than trying to every five minutes go into the settings and see what I can tinker, see what I can turn off just to make it shoot. There was at one point, guys, I was just trying to get a, at least a stable 25, man. I was like, if I could get just... A stable anything above 25 would be fine, bro. You know, like, I if if it's 25, it's fine. But it just, it was not it. It was not it. So, not that good of an experience with Gotham Knights. But we will be checking back on it sometime next year. I want to see how patches do and how, how that works it out. And if we can get some kind of, you know, optimization in there. And maybe they can make the experience a little better. Now, the other reason, the other kicker of, as to why I, you know, feel like this is just not it, Chief. Is because... I also got Spider-Man Remastered. Now, let's also preface. I got Gotham Knights for 35 doll hairs on uh, Fanatical. And I got Spider-Man Remastered for... I think it was $38. And I don't remember if it was Fanatical or if it was on the Steam Store. I want to say it was on the Steam Store, though. And, you know... Seeing the different deals that Spider-Man Remasters had, I told you guys on the last episode that I was going to be picking up um, Miles Morales because it was cheaper. Well, I decided, you know what? I'm going to pick up uh, Sonic instead. <laughs> so that's exactly what I did. I picked up Sonic Frontiers instead and ended up going to, um, what is it? Ended up playing that. But then Spider-Man Remastered, you know, that, that pushed me to the week. I was like, you know what? If I can get um, Sonic for the same price as what I can get uh, Miles Morales, I might as well get Sonic, because Sonic is a new game. That's a, a new oddity. I haven't, I've played, you know, uh, Miles Morales three times at this point, since 2020, back-to-back, -back. not back-to-back, -back, two times back-to-back, -back, and then I played it again last year. So, my point is, I, I know the story, I know what this is about, like, maybe I don't need to spend $50 on this game right this second, you know, I, I still want to play it for um, this winter, but I can play that on my PlayStation 5 if need be, you know, so I was like, I, I think I want to jump into Sonic, made a good decision there, but I did, again, that pushed me to where uh, Steam had their sale, and they put their sale up, 
And then they, I see Spider-Man Remastered on there for 38 bucks, And I'm like, okay, I think this is the move. I think this is it. Because I do not think that... I mean, that is the biggest deal I've seen on Spider-Man. Since I've had the Steam Deck on Steam anywhere, that is the, the best deal I've seen so far. And I don't expect it to get that much better in the next six months, six to eight months. And I'm going to want to play this game before then. So I was like, you know what? This is one that I will jump on. This is one where, you know, I'm saving 22 bucks on it. And I would much rather buy Spider-Man Remastered with, you know, a longer experience. I have all of the DLC as well. Um, I'd rather buy that now at this price as opposed to waiting later and trying to get it. So that's what I did there. Spider-Man Remastered on the Steam Deck, guys. Now, I know... I am beating a dead horse here because everybody has been saying this, but oh my gosh. When I tell you that this game just works, it just works. I was blown away. And the reason I was blown away is because I believe I played this game shortly after I had tried out Gotham Knights and had all those performance issues. And then I booted up Spider-Man and it was just a consistent, smooth 30 frames per second. My frame rate time did not move. The little um, graph that they show you when you put your um, when you put the the gauge on, because you can put settings on where you can see how much power you're exerting. When you use that, because I, I don't know exactly what it's called, that's really why I'm going around in a circle. <laughs> but when you use that thing, you can see it's literally just a straight line, a straight line, and I was just blown away. I was like. I feel like there's more going on here in Spider-Man as opposed to what's going on in Gotham Knights. And Spider-Man is able to get this at medium settings and a locked 30 frames per second while you're swinging through the city. I'm very confused as to what's going on. And again, that is where I'm understanding this is not a Steam Deck issue. This is a optimization issue. And again, it still could be slightly a Steam Deck issue because, again, Gotham Knights is a 9th generation exclusive game. So, obviously, there might be some issues there and there could be some um, oddities as to why it's not running. But there is also optimization because we're seeing it across the board on console. And when you're telling me that the Steam Deck runs better than the console in most cases, that, that means that there's an optimization problem. And Spider-Man did a damn good job of optimizing the game and not spider-man nixtus playstation studio that they acquired so that they can do utilize them to put out these pc ports and they're doing a damn good job a damn good job i'm telling you right now playing spider-man remastered on the steam deck has opened my eyes to what nixtus is capable of and now i've got it i've got my eyes on every single playstation ip that's on this that i can get on the steam deck now if i know it can run like that with little to no issue at all, 100%. I will say, I did. there was a stutter at a point. Not, not, not a stutter, but where the game kind of just uh, froze. That's what I mean. The game froze on me. I was swinging, and it's funny, because it froze right when I was in my head thinking. I was like, I cannot believe how well this game is running right now. And then it froze right after I had said that thought. And I was like, ha, that's funny. And then, I mean, but it, it literally after about th five seconds, it, I'd say five to ten seconds, it booted right back up, and I was fine. No frame rate drop, nothing. I don't know why it froze, but it did, and then we were we were good to go. We were fine. So nothing at all um, weird that had happened except for that. 
But, man, Spider-Man just runs so freaking good on this deck. So good. And I'm so happy that I am able to play this game like that. You know, handheld. I was playing this game on a console four years ago. Four years ago. And now we can play this game on a, on a handheld device. Like... I, it's, it's, it's amazing. This, this technology and where the gaming industry is going is just phenomenal. And this is one of the reasons that I love this industry because you could have told me last year that Valve was going to make this device that was going to be able to run PS4 games, you know, by, in a handheld device and I wouldn't have believed you. I wouldn't have. I'm just like, that makes no sense. Why would, how would they be able to do that? Like, number one, how would they be able to do that? Because why would they? Why would they do that in in a sense? You know what I mean? So, like, not why, but if they could, why haven't they already? You know? So, it's just like, I don't think the technology is there for us to do that. But it is, obviously. It's not in the sense of, like, oh, we're just going to make this console into a handheld. That's not there. But putting PC components into a handheld device and being making it, you know, function to where it can just operate and run games. Yeah, that tech is there. We know it is because we've seen it in multiple iterations of different uh, PC handheld devices, but also with the Steam Deck that is killing it right now. All right. So the last game that I want to discuss is a game that I came and that I saw. And it's funny because I was listening to uh, Kind of Funny Games Daily and Blessing was talking about this game. And he said that he was confused because he had heard Paris Lily talking about this or thought he had heard Paris Lily talking about this game. But he was talking about it like four or five months ago. And I literally had the exact same thought process where I was like, yo, is this a game that Paris played? I was like, I, that was months ago. I, maybe he played a preview of it, but I, he was talking up about this game. Sure enough, though, as I keep scrolling and I find the actual game he was talking about, I realize, oh, no, they're just very similarly named. And they came out in the same year. But we're talking about Evil West. Now, Evil West, when I first saw this, again... I didn't realize that this was not the game that Paris Lily played. Paris played um, Weird West, and that was the game he was talking about. That's like a top-down isometric game. Not for me. But Evil West? Oh, boy. 100% for me, man. So I just started playing it yesterday. And I've got to say, man, I you know I, I didn't play too much into it. I played like the first little, um, the first area, kind of the tutorial area. And I, I honestly feel, still feel like I'm in... A tutorial area, probably like they have uh, uh, one area one and then area 1.2, uh, and that's like both of those are um, your tutorial areas, right? Like you, it's it's still a level, but there's still more that the game needs to tell you um, for you to before it really just sets you loose and just lets you you know figure things out on your own. But um, I I wanted to get in first initially just so I could tweak with the settings, you know, Steam Deck games. Uh, I did get it on the Steam Deck, but um, games on the Steam Deck, you definitely want to get in there and try to tinker with the settings if you need to, you know what I mean? And that's always the first thing that I do. I get into a game, first of all, check it out, see if it's going to boot off, you know, from a cold boot. I don't have to tinker with anything to get it to actually launch. If that's good, perfect. So, once we get into the game, now it's time to see, okay, where's the, the visual quality at? Is it up to par? Not really, because it wasn't for me. I go into the settings, and I'm realizing, oh, okay, so there's some things that I can tweak that I can turn off. And I'll get into that in a little bit. So I was very surprised with how well the game was running. And that's because when you boot it up, it's a solid 60 off the rip. And I was like, wait, what? 
I wasn't expecting to get 60 frames per second out of here. When I was looking at different videos on YouTube, I did not, you know, everybody was saying, ah, you probably should keep this game at 40. I wouldn't put it on high settings. I'm gonna tell you right now, guys, I am playing this game on high settings with uh, texture quality. Uh, is it on high? I think it is on high, but I think I tweaked some things down. Um, so it's like a custom setting. It's not all the way high. And then, um, but the resolution was also at 70%. And I was wondering why the image looked a little grainy and a little fuzzy. And then I see that, that the resolution um, ratio is, it's, it's only putting out 70% of the resolution that I have it set to. So that's 800p. So I put that up to 100, and I put up to 100 first, and immediately you can see a difference. Then I decided, I wonder how much of a difference I'd see if I went above 100. So I put it to 150, and 150 looked fine, but I was like, you know what? The, the frame rate wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. So then I dropped it down to about 130, and that's a good sweet spot. Now, I did also put the game down to 40 hertz mode, because once I started tweaking that stuff, I started putting it into high settings. That's when it wasn't staying at the lock 60, right? So I was like, ah, not going to be able to do that. So I will have to drop it down to 40 at least, but... Running games at 40 frames per second on the Steam Deck with a high fidelity is fantastic. So, definitely a good trade-off. I am okay with playing the game at 40 frames if I can have the fidelity look as good as it does. And I'm very, very pleased with the level of tinkering that I was able to do with Evil West to make it work the way that I wanted it to. And for my, you know, my preferences. And it's just, it now, it just works. It just runs properly. I get a, st uh, a solid, stable 40 frames per second. It does not dip, or it has not dipped. Now, granted, I'm not, haven't gotten too far into it. There, there are going to be dips in the boss battles. I will say that. It's not dropped lower than 30. I don't even think it's dropped lower than uh, 34, to be honest. I think the lowest I may have seen was 33 on a split second, and that's a maybe. I don't, I can't confirm that because, again, I was in the boss battle. But I want to say I may have seen it drop to 33 for a split second, and then it stayed around, like, 35 37 during that boss battle and then after it was over it went back up to 40 easy peasy and while you're walking around and while you're fighting regular enemies stays at 40 frames per second so evil west right now initially fantastic i am loving every bit of it right now again not too far into it but what i've done so far in the game is very compelling like the combat in the game i i love it it, it reminds me of god of war a little bit but there are more there there are more aspects to it you know like you have um ranged weapons you have guns but you also have this like metal fist that you can use just to like knock your enemies just it completely obliterate them in in most cases to be honest but then there are uh special finisher moves that you can do too it's a it's a fun time it's a really really good time i'm hoping because i've heard that the story gets a little convoluted not a little um and that it might be hard to, you know, um, keep in order and to understand, but I'm I'm hoping that I, I can uh, do that uh, slightly. We'll have to wait and see just as, as the story progresses how well they are at portraying what they're trying to convey, you know? So we'll have to wait and see, but uh, after I get done recording this, I definitely will be jumping back into the Evil West and seeing how far we can get in that. But... That is actually the game that I um, that I downloaded after deleting Gotham Knights. That is the game that Gotham Knights needed to, needed to be deleted for. And you know what? I made the right decision there. I made the absolute right decision because 
Gotham Knights is not it, Chief. It ain't it. At least not on the Steam Deck. You know what I mean? So I think what I might do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait it out, and I'm gonna see if it maybe comes out with another patch or something, and um, see how people are talking about it. You know, maybe in four months or so, and then I'm gonna re-download it and see how it runs on the deck. If it still runs like trash, I think I'm gonna wait for a deep, deep sale, and then get it on console, and hopefully it runs better there, and I can experience it like that. But We'll have to wait and see with that. But guys, let us get to our main topic of the night, which is the Game Awards. And let's get these votes in, alright? So, Game Awards is dropping next Thursday, December 8th. I don't, I, I believe it's going to be somewhat late. I think it's going to be probably around like 6 o'clock when it'll start, at least 6 o'clock my time, um, which is central. But, again, not 100% sure uh, on that, on the timing, but... Let's get to this, alright? So, I want to first kind of view all of the categories here. Wow. Wow, we've got a lot. Alright, let's get through this. So, we've got, obviously, at the very top, Game of the Year. And then we've got Best Game Direction, Best Narrative, Best Art Direction, Best Score and Music, Best Audio Design, Best Performance, Games for Impact, Best Ongoing, Best Indie, Best Mobile Game, Best Community Support, Innovation and Accessibility, Best VR and AR, Best Action Game, Best Action Adventure, Best Role Playing, Best Fighting, Best Family, Best Sim and Strategy, Best Sports and Racing, Best Multiplayer, Content Creator of the Year, Best Debut Indie, Best Adaptation, Most Anticipated Game, Best Esports Game, Best Esports Athlete, Best Esports Team, Best Esports Coach, and Best Esports Event. Now, I'm going to tell you guys right now. I know nothing about esports, so I'm probably going to skip the last, what is that, five categories? One, yeah, I'm probably going to skip those last five categories, because I don't think we, uh, you guys need to hear me talk about that, considering I know nothing. Um, but, let us start the voting. Oh, here we go. It says, um, the Game, Award, the Game Awards airs live and free on Thursday, December 8th at 7.30pm Eastern Time, 4.30pm Pacific Time. I'm assuming that's somewhere around 6 o'clock my time, because that's what time it was last year. But, I will deal with that on my time um let's go let's start the voting guys let's do this so we're gonna start here and the first thing you know what we're not gonna start there we're not gonna start there i want to go i want to start at the bottom we're gonna work our way up to the game of the year all right so most anticipated game is where we're gonna start here so most anticipated game recognizing an announced game that is demonstrably illustrated potential to push the gaming medium forward okay so looking at all of these games here, what game do we think, or sorry, what game do I think is going to push the medium forward? We got Final Fantasy 16, we've got Hogwarts Legacy, Resident Evil 4, Starfield, or The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Hmm. Well, I'm already going to say this now. Resident Evil 4, it's not going to push anything forward considering that's a remake, so that doesn't make any sense. Um... Final Fantasy 16, you're not going to push the industry forward with um, your decision to not include races, so that's not going to work either. Um, Hogwarts Legacy, that is a maybe. That's a maybe. But then The Legend of Zelda, ooh, see, I wasn't even looking at this one. But then when you think about it, look at how many games adapted to the quote-unquote legend, um, the uh, Breath of the Wild formula which is just opening, you know, doing a complete open world where you can just go wherever. I, I There are a plethora of games that have come out since, what, 2017 when it launched that do that exact same thing. So I really feel like Legend of Zelda is up there. 
Like, if they push the boundary with this game, which I think they are, considering, I believe, what, didn't they, isn't he supposed to be in, like, the sky? I mean, that's what the image is. He's, like, literally in, on a podium that's just, like, floating in the air. So, I feel like that definitely could. You know, we might see somebody take uh, cues from the, the new Zelda to put into their game. And the only other one I could think of is Starfield, you know? Like... I know Starfield is, you know, it's from Bethesda, obviously. It's from uh, Todd Howard. So maybe, maybe that one. Those are the only two, though, that I could think. But the issue is Bethesda doesn't have that track record of, you know, I'm not going to say that. I'm saying recently, though. As of, as of recent, I don't think that, you know, that is something that's going to really do much based on, you know, what they've done in the past. I think everybody's kind of staying kind of back and just watching and seeing how the development progresses, you know? So, but then again, then again, on the other hand, Legend of Zelda is going to be running on the Switch. So how, how far can it really push the boundary now as opposed to when the first iteration did in 2017 when the Switch was hot and new? And, you know, the graphical fidelity and, you know, the issues that are plaguing the Switch now were not as prevalent then. So, you know what, man? I'm going to go Starfield. I'm going Starfield. Okay, let's go to the next one. We're going to go previous. Best adaptation. Oh, I'm already going to tell you right now. I'm already going to tell you right now. Cyberpunk Edge Runners. I don't even need to look. I don't even need to look at Cyberpunk Edge Runners. For me personally, it's Cyberpunk Edge Runners. I feel like they did. Su there were multiple times in the show while I was watching it where I felt like it just I it, it put me back into playing the game. I felt like I was playing the game with just little audio cues that they put in. When you get a call, it sounds the exact same as getting a call while you're driving around um, Night City in the game. When they opened up the map briefly at the last episode, it looks... It, I think they just took the map from the game and just put it in the in the show. Like, legit. So, there's a lot of things that they've done here that really made me feel like, okay, no. Like, it's not just telling a story and a cohesive story that actually feels like it is a story that was in Night City. And the cohesiveness between David's story and V's story and how they converge in the game, it's just, it, they did such a good job. They did such a good job with it. And, and, and I absolutely adored my time with it. I wish that we could get, you know, more of this. I don't know if the um, the the showrunner is, I, I thought he said he was only going to do one season. I don't think that there's talk of a second season, but I really hope we can get a second season to this because it's, it's phenomenal. It's great. All right. Best debut indie. For the best debut game created by a new independent studio. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. So I'm going to tell you now. Tunic. Ooh, I didn't even realize Tunic came out this year. Dear Lord. Or was that last year, but it just came out late? Hmm. Hmm. It might have been this year. I think I did hear somebody say that, like, they also were surprised that it was this year. Could have just been the beginning of this year. You know, 2022's been a mess. Um, but Stray. Stray is one that I'm like... I mean, it had the hype behind it. And if you're telling me that, you know, it, it, the best debut game created by a new independent studio. I mean, 
The only other one that I could see that did that is... Like, that I feel like a lot of people were talking about is Neon Knight. That's the only other one. But again, how long was that? I feel like the conversation around Tunic was a little longer than Neon Knight. Or, Neon Knight. Neon White. But straight. If I had to put it down, I would honestly put straight. And I, you know what? That is what we're going to put. I'm going to put straight. Because for me, straight was... A game that I have been waiting on for, I mean, I was waiting on it for for two years. For two years, I was waiting on Stray. And that's the other thing. It's like the marketing around that game is why it got as much traction as it did. It's been, it was marketed for two years, two plus years. Ah, no, two years. So that's why, you know, it was able to get above all of these other indies and why the conversation I feel like stayed a little bit longer. Cause there's still people talking about it. Like, is it game of the year? There are people it's split the industry down in the middle. People love this game. It's game of the year. There are people who hate this game and it's just a cat simulator, but you know what? It is a cat simulator and I love this game now uh, for indie games of the year. Yeah, definitely. All right. Now I already saw this one. I actually, I saw all of these nominees uh, on the uh, kind of funny games cast when they did their reaction to it. Um, when, Jeff Keighley posted them live, and this is the content creator of the year. Now, I really do like this. I, I like this section um, that they put this here. I will say, um, one person who came on to talk about this with the the guys at Kind of Funny was um, Danny Pena, and one thing that he said was that you know there are a lot of content creators. I mean, obviously, I'm a content creator. Not saying that I should be on this list. Let's let's preface that right now, guys. But I'm just saying. There are a lot of content creators out there, and he's saying, like, do we always have to go with Twitch streamers? Or, with Twitch streamers? Is that always what we have to do? You know, can we not do guys who are doing podcasts? Can we not do people who are just doing skits, like gaming skits? Everything is content. If you're putting something on YouTube, on TikTok, on even sometimes Instagram, you're a content creator. So, there are there are more avenues, and he's talking about, like, Khalif over at um at uh spawn on me like where's hit where's hit the love for him there's a lot of people in the industry who are pushing the pushing the boundaries and pushing their their medium forward and uh their brand forward but he doesn't feel like they're being represented here and I can see that I can but you know what that's neither here nor there guys because I as soon as I saw this I knew what my vote was going to be it's Nabilian Nabilian or not or I don't exactly know. Nibelian? I think it's Nibelian because everybody shortens it to Nibel. So we're going to say Nibelian. I definitely think he should get this. Especially the fact that my man literally retired, quote unquote, from what he was doing on Twitter. And, you know, he just, in the reasoning as to why, he just couldn't do it anymore. He just is like, it, it takes a lot of time to do this. And I'm realizing that. I don't feel like people are coming to me for me and that I'm doing this. I feel like they're just coming to me because of the information that I that I have, which is I'm compiling all of these these different sales, these different um, events, you know, different uh, pricings, numbers, when trailers are dropping, numbers of um, scores and stuff like that. And yeah, that's what people are coming to me for, but they're only coming for those. They're not coming for Nibel, you know? So I just, it, it kind of hurt me. I was like, man, that sucks, dude. Like, 
I feel like people do respect you and people definitely care about you and especially the day that this happened and hearing you know um blessing talk about him it's like yeah dude like i hope that he knows especially being nominated here i hope he knows that the industry does care and losing him is a huge weight you know what i mean but let's move over to the next one best multiplayer title here so we've got teenage mutant ninja turtles splatoon 3 overwatch 2 multiverse multiverses and call of duty modern warfare 2 Okay, so I'm already going to go out here and say this. Um, Overwatch 2, eh. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge, eh. But you know what? You know, it did come out of nowhere and actually did do something to change and is still doing stuff to this day. Multiverses. Nobody thought Multiverses was going to be a hit like it has been. Nobody thought that it was going to do as well as it has done. And it's still here and it's still churning out new maps it's still putting out new seasons and it still has a dedicated player base to this day from when it started now people might not be you know gung-ho talking about it every single day but i hear i hear people in my in my circles talking about multiverses and how far they've gotten and what they're doing on it so i definitely think that out of all of these games all of these games they're known quantities. Call of Duty, we already know, is going to do good. Some, everybody everybody and their mom plays multi, uh, Call of Duty, you know? Overwatch 2, it's the second version of Overwatch. Splatoon 3, it's the third iteration of Splatoon. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle was a remake. Multiverses is the only game that is new and fresh. Obviously, the genre itself isn't the platform brawler, but they're the only ones who have come out and done pretty much as good of a job as what you would see on Nintendo's side with um, Smash Bros. And again, I understand Smash Bros. has had years upon years to iterate and to perfect. I'm not saying that it's at that level, but what I'm saying is this is the first one of those kind of games that has come out to be able to potentially get to that level. I could definitely see 10 years from now, we're still talking about multiverses. You know what I'm saying? So that one gets my vote. Let's go to the next category, guys. All right, so best sports and racing game. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this here. I feel like racing games should have their own category. I really do. When you're talking about, well, I mean, let's be honest. They only put two racing games on here. And if we really only did get like two major racing games this year, I can understand why it doesn't get its own, um, its own section. And then let's be honest too. It did, you know, it's, it's up there with FIFA 23, NBA 2K23, and then Ollie Ollie World is on here too, which I think is pretty cool. Now, the only issue I have with this, and it's something that uh, Kyle brought up on the trophy room, is the fact that MLB The Show just always year after year gets snubbed. Now, I'm not a huge fan of MLB The Show. I'm not a huge fan of baseball. I like baseball. I like baseball more than basketball and more than uh, football, not more than soccer. Soccer is my sport. But um, I do like MLB The Show. It's a fun game. I had, uh, I believe I bought, the last one I got was uh, on um, the PlayStation 4. I believe it was the uh, 2014 game. I don't remember, but I, I enjoyed my time with it. And I enjoyed, you know, uh, going through a season with my Milwaukee Brewers. Like, it was fun. But I just don't understand why they're not being looked at for here. They're the only baseball game that's out. Like, the only AAA game. MLB baseball game 
and it never gets nominated at all? It hasn't? Like, why? That makes no sense. I don't understand. And I mean, again, it, it does seem like they do push the boundary every year, and they try to change it up and change, you know, what's going on. I just don't understand why they wouldn't accept them. But let's look at the nominees that we have here for Best Sports and Racing Game. I've got F122, FIFA 23, NBA 2K23, Gran Turismo 7, and Ali Ali World. Now, if I've got to be honest with you, I think I've got to go Gran Turismo 7. I think I've got to go Gran Turismo 7. And the only reason I'm going Turismo 7 is because I've heard multiple people who are not into simulation racer ga uh, racing games really, really jive with Gran Turismo 7 and really get behind it. So I really feel like Gran Turismo 7 kind of takes the cake on this one just because it it's something that has grabbed people who normally wouldn't be playing this game. NBA 2K... It's the usual suspects. FIFA 23, usual suspects. I have I didn't even know F122 came out this year. So, realistically. I did hear a lot of people talking about Ali Ali World, but that did fall off. I do think Gran Turismo would be the best option for this category here with the nominees that they've placed with it. Alright, so, let's move over. We've got the best sim and strategy game. We've got Dune Spice Wars, Mario Rabbit, Sparks of Hope, Total Wars Warhammer 3, Two Point Campus, and Victoria 3. You know what? I think we're going to skip this one. I think we're going to skip that one because I, I don't play sim or strategy games at all, period. So let's just, let's keep on trucking. So we've got best family game. For the best game appropriate for family play, irrespective of genre or platform. So the nominees are Kirby and the Forgotten Land, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, Mario Plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope, Nintendo Switch Sports, and Splatoon 3. Now, I'm going to tell you right now. The family game for the Williams is Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna talk about that. Y'all already know. All right. So, best fighting for the best game design, primarily around head-to-head -head combat. We've got DNF Duel, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle, uh, The King of Fighters, uh, 15, Multiverses, and Sifu. Who boy, who boy. Mm. Those are good. Those are good. Let me see here. Okay, so this is, and again, this is how I do this. I'm looking for something that pushes the boundary, right? With these, with these, uh, with this voting. So JoJo's Bizarre Adventure that's that's a standard anime brawler you know like it, it's it, if you've played any kind of anime i guess i think it i honestly i think it is uh 2d as well so it, it, it are sides uh, uh uh side view so i definitely don't think that it's going to be jojo for me um don't know much about dnf duel the king of fighters is already in its 15th iteration so obviously not going to choose that one um multiverses Again, best fighting, I wouldn't go that far as to say it's got the best fighting in the game. The fighting is fun, but the best fighting? I know, I wouldn't go there. But Sifu. Sifu has some damn good combat. Some damn good combat. And a lot of people have, still are talking about Sifu. So I really think that's what I've got to go with here. So locking that in, going over to the next category. Best role-playing. All right. The nominees are 
Elden Ring, Live Alive, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Triangle Strategy, or Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Best role-playing game. Now, out of this list, I think I've got to give it to Elden Ring. I really do. Because I would have said Arceus. I would have said Pokemon Legends Arceus. But honestly, did I have more fun with Arceus than I did with Elden Ring? Hmm. Hmm. Honestly, don't know. I can't. I I, I can't think. Pokemon Legends. That was a while. That was like almost freaking ten months ago. Um. But my thing is with Pokemon is that it did get me. Like that was the first game. I mean, I'm pretty sure I put like twenty hours into Pokemon Legends Arceus. I might be wrong. Could be like fifteen. But I played a lot of Pokemon Legends Arceus, and I really, really liked the game. So much so that, like, I'm now, the only reason that I'm upset that I do not have my Switch at this moment in time is because I want to play Pokemon Scarlet, um, well, Scarlet, that was going to be the version that I buy because I love purple. But, at the same time, I also understand exactly why I got rid of the Switch because look at how that game is running. I'm sorry, listen, listen, I, I can't get around that. Blessing, bless his heart, no pun intended, he can get around uh, the jank and the, the, uh, performance issues that he is having, and he's still able to enjoy the game. Perfect. More power to you, my friend. But, boy, I've seen the pictures, I've seen the images, I've seen the videos. I, that, that solidified my, my decision of, that I made the correct decision in getting rid of that Switch, because that, that game runs like dog water. Um, but, honestly, too, I'm, you know what? I'm going to go with Elden Ring. I'm going to go with Elden Ring. Even though I Pokemon Legends did do something for me. It did. I feel like Elden Ring, to get me into a Souls-like game and for me to play it as much as I did for a Souls-like game and actually start to understand how it's working, that that that's a good role-playing game for me. At least out of this list. All right. Best Action Adventure. So we've got The Plague Tale Requiem, or A Plague Tale Requiem, Horizon Forbidden West, Tunic, Stray, and God of War Ragnarok. The best action adventure. Alright, so this one is tough. This one's tough. I can already tell you now, I have not tried to play Tale Requiem. I need to, but I, 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 can, I can tell you that the action in that, and again, not, not having played it. I'm talking completely out of my ass right now. But I can tell you verbatim. 100% it's a fact of the matter, don't at me, there is no way that the action in A Plague Tale Requiem is better than God of War Ragnarok or Horizon Forbidden West, period. End of story. There's no way in hell. There's just no way. And, and especially God of War. Now again, obviously I'm, I'm being dramatic and I'm going a little bit in on it, but let's be honest, God of War Ragnarok is just so good. The combat is so amazing in that game, man. Like, it's such... A thrill to go in and have a gang of enemies come at you and just know that you are going to demolish them. And that they should not be picking this fight. But they are going to, and you're going to have fun beating them to a pulp. And I just, it's its so good. But then again, we've got Horizon Forbidden West. Now, hmm. Because those are the two that we're, that we're between right now. Straight, there's not a... There's, not a whole lot of action in in stray but it does say action adventure it does say action adventure so there is that but 
I'm looking more for action. It has to have both action and adventure in spades, both uh, on both fronts. So, Horizon Forbidden West obviously has the adventure aspect of it. It is an open world game, but God of War Ragnarok is pretty much a, a an open. It's an open area in a sense. You it, obviously you go to the different realms. Those realms are pretty open, but you know, you can only go to a certain amount. You can only go as far as you can in the realm, and then you can't go any farther. So, until you have to go to another map, which then makes it that open area. Um, so, mm, this is a hard one. Because, I, honestly, as I'm thinking about this, I'm also thinking about what my Game of the Award vote, Game of the Year um, is vote is going to be. And I've got to say, like, I, I, I'm torn between... Horizon and God of War for my game of the year. That's kind of where I'm at right now. And we will see when we get there, realistically, because I'm, think I'm thinking too far ahead. So, action-adventure, action-adventure. Let's get back to the topic at hand, guys. Okay, so, God of War Ragnarok or Horizon Forbidden West. Action-adventure. Let's see the description. It says, for the best action-adventure game combining combat with traversal and puzzle solving. Hmm. <laughs> Hmm. It's God of War Ragnarok. I didn't read that. Yeah, when you when you throw in puzzle solving and traversal, yeah, you traverse in um in Horizon Forbidden West, and yeah, there might be some puzzles that you have to do in in Horizon, but they're not like the puzzles that you do in God of War. And y'all know what I'm talking about. If you played the first game, you know there's hella puzzles in this game, and that's that only goes more so with Ragnarok. So definitely for that aspect, yeah, God of War takes that one for me. I'm glad I read that. All right. Best action game. We've got, for the best game, uh, for the best game in the action genre, focused primarily in com or on combat. So we've got Bayonetta 3, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, Neon White, Sifu, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge. So we're basing this off of combat alone. And you know what I would have to say? I really want to throw some love to Shredder's Revenge. I really do. But, again, it's a game that has already come out. I'm not saying that they didn't do a good job. But when I'm looking at, you know, a game like Neon White or a game like, C or a game like Sifu that have never been done before and they did their job well their first time coming out, it's like I can't, I can't vote for, tur uh, for TMNT over, it, over those two, you know. And then we've got Bayonetta 3, again, usual suspect. Call of Duty, usual suspect. I'm going neon white for this one. I'm going neon white. They did a lot of things different with the flow of combat and how you're getting around and then the card system as well. I just feel like they did a lot of different things for to change up how combat is done in that game. And for it to be an indie title too at that, I feel like that definitely should get the vote. All right. So we've got best VR and AR. Now... I think I should honestly pass through this one as well, and that's exactly what we're going to do, because I have not played any VR or AR games this year. So we're going to keep on trucking. But innovation in accessibility, recognizing software and or hardware that is pushing the medium forward by adding features, technology, and content to help games be played and enjoyed by an even wider audience. The nominees are Ask Dusk Falls, God of War Ragnarok, Return to Monkey Island, The Last of Us Part 1, and The Quarry. So this is innovation in accessibility. Hmm. You know what? I'm giving this one to The Last of Us Part 1. And the reason why is because 
yes, there were issues with the launch, and I mean, issues online with people thinking, is it worth it? Is it necessary? Well, you know, they're putting it out, and if it's not necessary for you, you don't need to buy it. It's that simple. But, um, when they went back and did the remaster and the remake of this, they legitimately put in accessibility um, features so that people who were not able to play the game when it originally launched, they now have access to it and they can play the game, or at least in some capacity, and that's awesome. So they're allowing new people to experience this title and this game. I think that's fantastic and that deserves something. So they get my vote for that one. All right, we've got Best Community Support. Recognizing a game for outstanding community support, transparency, and responsiveness, inclusive of social media activity and game updates slash patches. So we've got Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Fortnite, Final Fantasy 14, and No Man's Sky. So again, best community support. Now... If, I don't know, hang on a second, I am now going to search, and I'm going to find out if No Man's Sky had an update this year, because if it did, they're getting, they're getting my vote, because like, bro, y'all don't need to keep doing this, you know, like, you could just stop, they've been giving out free updates for, since the game launched. Let's see. Yeah, but when? Because I see the next um, update, but I don't know when that launched. And I don't think it was this year. I really don't. Alright, well, either way, let's see, let's see, let's see these different people that we've got on here. What? Well, we are having technical difficulties. Apparently, I somehow lost my, uh, what is it, my stuff for the Game Awards. Hang on one second. Let's get back to it. I don't know what happened. Um, I, I am still signed in, so hopefully those were saved. If not, then it is what it is. Let's see, um, action game. They are saved. Okay, perfect. Okay, so let us move on. We are just going to continue to the best community support again. I, I honestly, you know what I want to put here? I think I'm going to go with Fortnite. I think that's what I'm going to go with. That's the game that res resonates with me the most. And you know what? I've gotten a lot of Star Wars characters today. So you know what? For me, for my Star Wars community, you're helping out. So we're going to go there with that one. Now, best mobile game. Ooh. Ooh. Right. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So Diablo Immortal. Yeah, you're definitely not going to be on that list. Tower of Fantasy. I have no idea what that is. So... My list is between Apex Legends Mobile, Genshin Impact, and Marvel Snap. Now, I haven't played either of these games except for Genshin, but uh, Marvel Snap, I know, is taking everybody by storm right now. I'm not into card games, therefore I am not on that train, but everybody is about this game right now, man. And I mean, it just launched, like, what, uh, two weeks ago? And it's like, everyone... Every single person that I hear, uh, that I listen to on podcasts is playing this. But then, Apex Legends Mobile just won Game of the Year on the App Store. So that's saying something, you know? Like, that, that means that that game runs pretty freaking good and they got a lot of people playing it. But, if I had to say the best mobile game... Hmm. 
You know, what really made me like Genshin Impact the most was that I was able to continue my save on my phone and then go and play it on my console as well. That was what really intrigued me with it. But other than that, is it the best mobile game? I don't really think so. I'm going to go with Marvel Snap. I'm going to go with Marvel Snap. I just feel I feel like a lot of people are talking about that game, and it's brand new, it's fresh, and the fact that it's got such a high uh, amount of people playing it right now with it being only two weeks old, yeah, that's and still, still adamantly talking about it. People who you wouldn't even expect are playing it. Like, yeah, I definitely got to go with that one. Now, on to the next category. We have Best Indie for Outstanding Creative and Technical Achievement in a Game Made Outside the Traditional Publisher System. Our nominees are Cult of the Lamb, Neon White, Sifu, Stray, and Tunic. Best Indie Game. Hmm. Looking at this list, man, this is a hard one. This is a toss-up because I know all of these games are good. I know all of them are good. So it's going to be a really, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a really hard one here. Because you want to give, you know, credit where it's due. But I feel like all of these deserve some kind of credit. And again, I haven't played Tunic. I haven't played uh, Cult of the Lamb or Sifu. But, or Neon White. The only one I've played on this list is Stray. But I know enough about Sifu to be able to make that vote. And I know enough about Neon White. I don't know that much. But I know a little about Cult of the Lamb and a little about Tunic. It's an isometric view. But for best indie. See, because again... Uh, reason I haven't tried those two, not games for me. So they wouldn't even have been on my best indie list, even if I even if I did play them. Those are I don't I don't like uh, what is it, village building like they have in Cult of the Lamb. I don't do that stuff or town builders. Mm -mm. Um, neon white though, neon white is one that I continuously keep looking at. Like hmm, that looks fantastic. Like I wonder how that is. But Sifu as well. I think I, I'm going Sifu. I'm going seafood there. I just feel like they did they did something different with that. And I mean, they did something different with Stray as well, but seafood just it seemed like it did something even more. You know, like Stray was fun. I liked it. I did enjoy my time with it, but and again, I haven't played Sifu. I want to, but I just don't. I didn't want to spend the money on it right when it when it launched, and it's not been on a, a decent enough sale for me to be like, ah, yeah, let's go and get that one. But honestly, I think I may, because I think Sifu's on um, on Steam. Sifu might be a game I play on the Steam Deck. I digress. Let's move over to the next category. Um, so we've got best ongoing game. We've got Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy 13, Fortnite, and Genshin Impact. So for here, hmm. for me personally, I think I am going to have to go with Fortnite again. I think I am. That's just, for me, that is the best ongoing. I keep coming back to it year after year. I don't think I'm going to, but every few months I always hop back into it. And you all know because I've been talking about it too. Um, but Games for Impact, that's our next category. We have for a thought-provoking game with a pro-social uh, pro meaning or message. We have A Memoir Blue, Ask Dust Falls, Endling, Extinction is Forever, Citizen Sleeper, Hindsight, and I Was a Teenage Exocolonist. So what game had the most impact? Let us see. Let us see. But being honest, I feel like it may be... Yeah, I think it's As Dusk Falls. From this list here, I feel like As Dusk Falls has a more serious 
what they're saying here, thought-provoking message that they're trying to convey in that one. You know, so like I'm, you know, what? we're locking it in. We're locking it in. As Dust Falls gets games for impact. Let's move over to the next category. All right, this one is a good one too. This one is one that I'm gonna have trouble trying to figure this out and what I want to do for it. But we have best performance awarded to an individual for voice over acting, motion, and or performance capture. We have Horizon Forbidden West, Ashley Birch, a Plague Tale Requiem, Charlotte uh, McBurney. God of War Ragnarok, Christopher Judge, Immortality's uh, Man and Gage, and God of War Ragnarok, Sonny Suljic. Now, if you don't know Christopher Judge, he is God of War, and if you don't know Sonny Suljic, he is Atreus in God of War. And then obviously Ashley Birch is um, Aloy in Horizon Forbidden West, Charlotte McBurney is, ooh, I forgot uh, what her name is in... Um... Amicia? I think that's what it is. Amicia? I think that's, that is what it is in the Plato Requiem. That's what the sister's name is. And, um, Man, Man Engage, I have not tried Immortality, so I'm not 100% sure who she plays in that. Um, but she, well, I know she plays the main character. I just don't know what the character's name is. Um, but I have to say, guys, playing a little bit more God of War Ragnarok and just the emotion that Christopher Judge is able to convey while putting on the God of War voice and you can hear the crackles in his voice when things happen and just you can hear it you can hear that emotion you can feel the emotion and you can sense the emotion I'm telling you he gets it for me he gets it for me and it's 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 not even a toss-up because it's like well between him and um and Atreus what would you do? Like, why would, you know, what would you do? Like, who who would it be? And I'm like, Atreus, he's way better now. Like, trust me, he does, uh, Sonny does a good job portraying him in this game. But Christopher Judge, again, just takes his performance from the first game to a whole nother level in this one. A whole nother level. And don't get me wrong, I loved Ashley Birch's performance as Aloy in uh, Forbidden West, but it, it, it's not on the same pedestal as what Christopher Judge is doing, you know? And I think it's because, again... We're talking about two different kinds of games. God of War is way way more leaning into the narrative aspect of their genre as opposed to Horizon Forbidden West. There is still a huge narrative in Horizon, but that's not the end-all be-all, you know? So let us move to the next category. Best Audio Design. We've got Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Gran Turismo 7, and Horizon Forbidden West. Now, on this one... I would, pro it's again, it's down to the two, Horizon Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok. Now, what I'm going to tell you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull this from Andy Cortez from Kind of Funny. When he read this one off, and when he was predicting what he thought, he said Horizon Forbidden West. And the reason as to why is because, or what he would vote for, the reason as to why is because he said, when you look at all these other ones, God of War, we've had a God of War. You know, we've already had a God of War. We know what those, those audio cues are. Call of Duty's shooting guns. Gran Turismo's driving cars, Elden Ring, it's swords, you know, so it's it's swords clashing. All of these are audio cues that we've heard. Again, Ragnarok, he has a hammer, sword, it's clashing, yada, yada, yada. But Horizon Forbidden West is the one where you're having to get audio cues for something that is literally not on this earth, which is a robotic animal. And you're trying to figure out how that sound, how that sound 
makes sense in this world, but also makes sense in our world to where we're going to immediately understand what that is. That is a level of audio design that supersedes all of these other games, in my opinion. And I, I love that he mentioned that because I immediately agreed with him when I heard him say that. So I'm going with Horizon Forbidden West for best audio design. All right. We've got best score and music for outstanding music inclusive of score, original song, or licensed soundtrack. We've got Metal Hellsinger, God of War Ragnarok, Elden Ring, A Plague Tale Requiem, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. So, for sound design, I gotta go God of War. I gotta go God of War. It was between God of War and Elden Ring for this one, because they both have that kind of, like, melancholic um, sound whenever some, like, crazy crap is going on on screen. Like, you know? Like, it's, it's stuff like that where it's just like, okay, yeah, like, it gets you pumped. But I'm telling you what, Elden Ring does get you pumped, but I don't know how to play. I'm not the best at Elden Ring, so therefore... I'm, it might get you pumped, but I'm more focused on staying alive. In God of War, I know I can handle myself. So I am now able to hear those audio cues and hang on those audio cues a little bit longer because I'm not worried about trying to stay alive as opposed to just playing the game and doing what I know needs to be done to take care of this enemy. So I am able to hang on that audio, like I said, a little bit longer and it does get me that much more pumped to get into the fight. So yeah, definitely going to God of War for that one. Alright, best art direction. We've got Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Scorn, and Stray. Now, I can already tell you right now, for art direction for me, God of War Ragnarok looks beautiful, don't get me wrong. But, Horizon Forbidden West. Horizon Forbidden West looks immaculate. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it looks so amazing. And again, it's because... You're seeing a world that you know, but completely in a different light that you never thought you would, you know? And I think that right there is where, you know, you can kind of see the art direction come through of we're trying to make this a world that you know, but you also we also want to make you feel like you don't know it as well you know we want we want to ride that line as best as possible and i feel like they do a really good job throughout the entirety of the game so um i, I horizon forbidden west right now is up there we got stray though as well and stray with their cyberpunk aspects and you know wanting to do this cat and then the lighting in the game as well there definitely is a direction that they wanted to go and you know you start getting into the sewer levels and stuff like that like Stray was good. I would not put Scorn on here. Scorn definitely does have an art direction, but the best art direction of this year, probably not, bro. I mean, it's it, it's a choice. It's a choice. But yeah, I don't know about that one. So You know what? I think we're going to go with Horizon Forbidden West. I think that's what we're going to do here. So, let's go to previous again, and now we're at best narrative for the next category. So, this one Already scrolling all the way down to the bottom. I'm going God of War Ragnarok immediately. I don't even need to look at anything else. That is the best narrative that I've played this year. When a game has gotten me to cry multiple times and I'm not even halfway in, that's that's the one. That's the one, guys. Uh, best game direction. So we've got Stray, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality, God of War Ragnarok, and Elden Ring. Now, let's already go out here and say this. It says, awarded for outstanding creative vision and innovative 
innovation in game direction and design. Okay, so, excuse me. I would say... I would put Elden Ring up there, man. I really would. Because the game design in Elden Ring is just so fantastic. The fact that there are multiple different levels that you can go down. You, you know, you can move side to side, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying side to side, but you know what I mean. On the main plane of the game, the main map, you can move wherever you need to right there. But then you can also move up, you can move down, there are different levels, and everything ties together and is interconnected for you to get around. And it's really, really cool. Like, you get to an underground area, and you get, you start moving through it and moving through it, and then you finally get to a, a portal that shoots you to a, a completely opposite end of the map that's above you. And it's... It shows you that everything is connected. They've thought about all of these different paths that you could take to get through this game. So definitely, I would say that one goes to Elden Ring. All right, guys. So last category of this voting procedure. Game of the year. Recognizing a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields. We have a Plague Tale Requiem. Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Now I'm going to tell you guys right now, A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, they're not going to get voted. Tell you that right now. Xenoblade 3, not going to get voted. Tell you right now. Stray, not going to get voted. I'm going to tell you right now. This entire category is between two games. God of War Ragnarok, and Horizon Forbidden West. So, I, I love God of War, right? Like, that's the game that I resonated with the first one. I, I, I completely, I absolutely adored the first game. I, I mean, I couldn't get enough of it. I beat it in, like, pretty much a week, you know? Like, I've, I've obviously, I'm taking longer to play God of War Ragnarok because I want to take my time, but also... Uh, you know, I borrowed my copy of God of War originally, so I didn't have, you know, I, I wasn't uh, able to really spend the time that I wanted to on it. This time I can, and it's obviously a longer one. I want to make sure I'm doing all the side quests and everything, so I'm taking my time with it. Um, but Horizon, for uh, Horizon, the series now, um, I really wasn't that much. I, I liked the first game, but I didn't understand the first game until... A few years after it had already launched is when I went back to it and I realized, oh, oh, okay, this is why the combat is so good. Okay, I get it now. And playing through it and beating that game gave me an appreciation for Horizon Forbidden West. Now, Horizon Forbidden West did what God of War 2018 did for me back then four years ago, which is I could not put Horizon Forbidden West down at all. Like, I've been putting down God of War Ragnarok to play other things, other things on my Steam Deck to play, uh, well, really, that's it, because I haven't played anything else on the consoles. So, um, I've been putting God of War Ragnarok down to play games on my Steam Deck. I did not do that with Horizon Forbidden West. Horizon Forbidden West took me away from Pokemon Legends Arceus until I finished Horizon. And then I went back to Arceus. Like, I, I don't remember the last time that I played a game with that much fervor you know what I mean like I just I could not get enough of it and with that being said yes I might have had some little fidelity issues you know what I mean not fidelity I, I apologize but some little like 
uh, bugs here and there, but they were few and far between. Number one, I think I had all in all probably like three bugs in my entire experience front to back of that game. Um, I haven't run into anything with God of War Ragnarok yet. Awesome, but still. Um, but I really think, for me personally, I think Horizon Forbidden West takes this for me. I think this one definitely... I think this takes the game of the year with me for me. And at least right now, where I'm at with uh, with God of War Ragnarok, again, I haven't beaten the game, but I've seen... I've, I've played at least half of it, and I feel confident in saying that, like, yes, I do love God of War, but it did not do the same thing that Horizon Forbidden West did for me when it launched. You know? Like, it just didn't. Period. And I think that that is a huge reason why I am choosing this as my game of the year. And honestly, on my GG app, I've been going back and forth as to what my my number one game is for this year. And Horizon Forbidden West is still number one. And it's been number one since I put it there. I have not moved it because I don't think that there is a game at all this year that has done what this game did for me. So, locking in Horizon Forbidden West as my vote for the game of the year at the Game Awards. So, I think that is it. That is all the voting that we have for today. Next week is the Game Awards. The actual Game Awards is next Thursday. So, expect a prediction episode from me. Uh, I would hope to get it posted before then, obviously, because I do not want to be working on editing a show during the during the game awards that would make no sense so i'm gonna try to get that out to you maybe wednesday night maybe but really be looking for that show thursday morning on your feed so you can uh, get a quick prediction episode before you go and watch jeff Keeley's game awards but guys as you can see i am wrapping it up which means it is time to touch down here on yavin 4 and meet some of those rebels that we discussed earlier i thank you again for joining me on episode 35 of the jmr podcast remember you can follow me on twitter at jedi master ren the r in ren is the same r for master don't forget that and don't forget as well you can follow the show there for all future updates be sure to use my code jelani 40328 at zox.la but as always guys may the force be with you.